Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon. Forgot there's no updates. I'm swallowing the last bite of breakfast. <laughs> it's a little bit different. It, it is different. I thought I had one more bite before the, uh, before the update. Anyways. Uh, Frank Schwab coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Scott Dockerman as well on the BMW of Des Moines uh, guest list here on Miller and Condon. I want to go t- with you in this direction. I watched, uh, of course, Game Day's the 800-pound gorilla, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be Game Day. But it was fun watching it on Saturday morning. Did yes. you watch much of it? I mean, I know you're a little busy. Yeah, you had it on in the background for at least a little while. Uh, of course, had to make sure I was around the TV at 10.55. It's, right. it's appointment viewing. <laughs> it was. It's appointment viewing. I hope he does it for a long, long time. We're talking about Lee Corso putting on the headgear uh, and the picks that are made. Um, Iowa State fans. Mm-hmm. So at one point in the show, they heard Desmond Howard come out and say, Kansas is going to a bowl game. Whoa. Right. Later on, he came out and said, Iowa State's going to win the Big 12. I saw that part. Half an hour earlier, my guess is he was getting completely eviscerated on Twitter for that that Big 12 opine. Uh Uh-huh. But later on, I'm guessing that they, Desmond Howard's a smart guy. Guys know his stuff. He, he does his homework. His Maybe Kansas is going to be going to win six games. They must if he's picking. But that's what I want to go with you because game day's game day. Eight hundred pound gorilla. They're terrific, and you have to watch it. Fox, I think has got it right. You do. I think Fox has found a studio. I watched three to four. I think it was three to four. Okay, it was a, in late afternoon. Um, and they had kind of a college football roundtable pre. You know. A preview of the season sure. type of thing. I'm not sure, I can't recall the guy who hosts. Is it Rob Stone? Yeah, yeah, I like Rob, Rob Stone. Stone. I do too. Um, but I like the panel that they put together. Brady, and this is the in-studio. Because last year, Wanstead was a part of it. Mm-hmm. And Robert Smith was a part of it, was he yes, not? Yes, yes, yes. He's not good. No, he is He's not. a hell of a player. He is not good in studio. Nope. And Wanstead was okay. But they have upped their game over there, in my opinion, because I've always been a Brady Quinn fan. A, he's a football player, but B, is now off the field. Reggie Bush is good. He is. Reggie Bush is opinionated. Reggie Bush is, is prepared. And Urban Meyer is a star. Whoa. Urban, Urban Meyer's good at this? Urban Meyer is great at this. So, now, I saw one hour. Uh-huh. So this is based on an hour. I think Fox... I think you're going to have to tune in to listen to that pregame show, Trent. I really and truly do. I like that. I, I like that team. And if you're a Big Ten fan, the biggest Big Ten game mm-hmm. is going to be there many weeks. Indeed, we don't want to rush to that one. Yes, <laughs> there. There's going to be a lot of Big Ten preview. Oklahoma, Texas, already in that mm-hmm. eleven o'clock window. More than likely, Iowa State is going to be in that window. Because of that, maybe more people will start to filter. 
They, I, I, as you, as to your point, Fox has made the 11 o'clock kick their prime game of the day, 11 mm-hmm. o'clock Central. Their, their biggest game of the day, they want, a big, they want to start their coverage. Not a 2.30 to go up against the CBS uh, juggernaut over in the SEC. Not a primetime game on ABC, which DirecTV subscribers still won't get to see. Um, because that fight continues on. But Fox is doing their damnedest to make that 11 o'clock kickoff as, as big of a game as they possibly can. I like the team, Trent. I think they've got a chance. I can't leave game day, though. Well, I get it. It's, it's, it's going to be... Uh, habits are hard to break, right? They are. I, I'm... And we're used to go. And it's not like the game day crew is good. They're right. terrific. Yeah, absolutely. I still mm-hmm. enjoy listening to Herb Street. I, yes. I, Corso, of course, diminished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pollock is great. He's Desmond Howard's good. Maria Taylor's terrific. Do you like when uh, SEC dude comes in? Feinbaum? Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he knows. He's, he's look at. It. He's a he's a really good resource. He knows college football. Yes, he honest. does, and he knows how to rile people up. He does. He is very good uh-huh. at that, and I enjoy as long as it's tight. I don't like when he all of a sudden he shows up on campus and he's there on site for an SEC game. Go to him. Do your eight minute interview. That's good for me and Feinbaum. Yeah. That's about mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. is what I need every morning. It's a great group. It's a great show. It is. I really enjoy that opening hour now that they've started to do years ago and, and flipping that on from time to time. There's just so many good parts of it. I can't see myself. I just don't envision myself I getting know, over it's there. It's tough to do, but I'm telling you, I think once people t- watch it for the first time, I was impressed. I was and di- and when I turned it on, I a I didn't know Wanstead was gone. I knew Robert Smith is cu- is doing game because he's got a Hawkeye game. Is he have, is he have the game the Miami game this week? Maybe I have to look at the game notes. That's I know we talked about this a few weeks. He back. does and we we knew him, but we didn't know who the play by play guy was. That's, if memory serves. Same thing for the Iowa I was taking because it's the same crew that's doing both the Miami of Ohio Iowa game and the Iowa State Iowa game. I'm. Pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're. Is it Barry Corker or something like that? Does that name ring a bell? Doesn't ring a bell, but you very well could be right. I, I, all right, so you liked Urban Meyer. I thought Urban Meyer was really good. I remember him in that year where he was, of course, spending so much time with his family in Bristol, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. After he left Florida, mm-hmm. and to, he was in the booth for a while. He was, but I remember him in studio mm-hmm. and being bad, like just not saying anything. Not bad because anything. you're a Big Ten fan and you hate Ohio State. No, it was that before he took the Ohio State. Oh, it was job. before, so we just left Florida. And that's what, yeah. And okay. Ohio State might have very well been on the horizon, but it was just, he never said anything. He was mm-hmm. never interesting. It was just, well, he's Urban Meyer, but that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all that you got. Sounds like he's certainly much deeper than that. Will that change, though, as USC becomes open? As. <sighs> Whatever his next job is going to be. So you think you don't think he's done is what you're saying? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Is he start to clam up and he starts to just go to cliches and canned responses and, all right, now you get 80% of Urban Meyer. You're not going to get the full throttle one that you saw on maybe, Saturday. Maybe. Fair point. That would be Fair the concern point. that I certainly would have. You think Urban's done? I was I was about to come back with, well, is he hireable after Ohio State? Oh, he wins football yes. games. The answer is yes. Our Bryles got a job. It's a high school yeah, job. True. But. Yeah, um, yeah. You win football games. You, um, AEDs and schools tend to look the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hireable. Um, you know what he said that, I, and I don't recall hearing this before. So okay. if 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 this is out there, then I missed it. He was talking. They were talking about Iowa State because there's a lot of Iowa State love on the show. 
Uh, Joel Klatt mentioned Campbell. He thinks Campbell's there just because the buyout's so big at Iowa State. I don't think that's the case. And I like Joel Klatt. Now, Klatt wasn't part of it full-time. Okay. And he won't be there because he's at the, you know, yeah. the marquee game of the week. But he was on the set periodically throughout the hour. But at the end of it, they were talking about Iowa State and they were talking about Matt Campbell. And, and Urban Meyer said, I tried to hand, to hire Matt Campbell when he was thinking about leaving Toledo. Did we know that? So, like, as a coach in waiting or just to be he a coordinator? He didn't say. All as he said was, and they were, they were running out of show, I tried to hire Matt Campbell when he was thinking about leaving Toledo. Mm. Did we know that? I, I don't, don't remember. think so. No. I don't. And if anybody would know, it would be you, certainly. I mean, you watch and listen to as much as anybody. I don't remember I don't that recall story. either. Do not recall that story at all. There's always been the speculation about Ohio State and yeah, Ohio sure. Kid, and of course that right. makes sense. But never anything like that as definitive as mm-hmm. at least Urban Meyer put it there. There's another option on Saturday mornings. I just got a press release here. What is it? BTN. You ever flip on the BTN? Occasionally, before the Hawks kick at 11, yes. periodically. They have their tailgate schedule for the first six weeks of the season, and they got some doozies here. Well, they got to be, if they're in Iowa City, they're there for the Penn State game. They're not listed here. They're going to Penn State, Idaho, week one. Mm. Purdue Vanderbilt, mm. week two. Michigan State, Arizona State. Give you that. Yep. Indiana, Yukon. Michigan State's going to fool some people. Indiana, Yukon, no. Rutgers at Michigan. Ooh. Illinois at Minnesota. Oh. Well, oh. now that's not true. There's tap the brakes, Miller. Your, your gophers are going to get a lot of love. <laughs> your gophers. I watched that gopher Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten bus tour thing yeah. once more. They're going to win the West. They're going to win the West. They're going to win the West. How how many games are they going to win it by? Well, they're not going to beat who you think they're going to beat, and I'm going to save that for the end of the week because I see this entirely different. Oh, really? And I'm not just being the contrarian in the room. Okay. I saw Scott Docterman, who we will talk to later. He's got them at 10-2 and and winning the Big Ten. And he also said that he is maybe reconfiguring his expectations on the Badgers. You know what? I think we all should. Yeah. I think we all should. I think that that maybe was wishful thinking on our part. That A month ago at this time, we're like, yeah, you know, the Badgers. uh, But Trent, think about it, man. And we got to get the break. But when we were in in Chicago, no one was talking about the Badgers. Not at all. It was Nebraska. And and it was Iowa Mm -hmm. in the West. And then it was Dark Horse, Minnesota. Or maybe Purdue with all that skill talent. But what about the Badgers? Mm. Here we are. And Bucky is lurking. Indeed they are. Miller and Condon, uh, Frank Schwab coming up next. We will talk NFL, the Andrew Luck situation, and some other topics with our buddy Frank Schwab from Yahoo. It's Miller and Condon. It's uh, 13 minutes after the hour of 11 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic still to come right now. Let's talk NFL. He's one of our guys. He's Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Was going to hold off till later on in the week, Frank, but with the news that reverberated around sports, quite frankly, uh, emanating from Indianapolis on Saturday night. Thank you for uh, giving us some time here today. Caught everybody off guard, Frank, or did it? Do you think that the Colts had to have known at least at some point uh, leading up to Saturday that this was a real possibility? 
Yeah, I don't think they were as surprised as the rest of us. Let's put it that way. But I still think they were surprised, obviously. Like, you can't, you know, I, I mean, you're not <laughs> expecting a guy to really, truly say, I'm walking away from $21 million this year and however much was left on his contract. I, it's It was a it just shocking news, and I'm sure it's just whether the Colts expected it or not or had an inkling that this could happen or whatever you want to say, it's still a shock to your system that a franchise quarterback you expected to have around for the next, I don't know, seven to ten years, mm-hmm. it's suddenly gone, and you're having to start all over a quarterback. I mean, it's it it just changes the entire franchise. It changes the NFL in some ways, and yeah, it's uh, other than like Barry Sanders retiring, maybe like Michael Jordan's first retirement. I can't remember one quite like this. It is different. There's been a lot of hot take artists out there ripping on Andrew Luck, and the question going forward, we've seen. More and more players very early in their NFL career start to walk away. Injuries and, and everything else associated with football. Is this a start of something maybe at the quarterback position? Not so much the Tom Brady's of the world, but more quarterbacks, guys that are banged up deciding to walk away because of the money that they already have in the bank. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be – I think you'll see it more often, but I don't think it's going to be widespread or anything. I don't think – you're going to see half the league retiring at, at age 29, and you know. But will you see a few more guys doing it? Yeah. Would uh, I would just to throw out a name? Cam Newton has dealt with a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would. Would it surprise me if he retires at age 32, saying, "Hey, I got a 110 million in the bank from just my NFL pay, and I got the endorsements." Yeah, you could see that, and I don't blame these guys. Look, that's the thing. We all see the glamour of the NFL. We all see the, the Sundays when they're celebrating touchdowns and celebrating with their teammates, and we all know what kind of contracts they make and that salary, but the NFL is not an easy life. It is not. I, I tell people this all the time, and they, they kind of scoff at it, but the NFL is about as stressful of a job as you can have, physically, mentally. Mm-hmm. It is, it, you know, we see the good parts of it, and it, look, there are benefits to it for sure, but we kind of choose to ignore the other sides of it, that this is a this is a really, really tough life for a lot of these guys. Yes, they do get paid very well. I get that. They, is, they are famous, some of them, but it doesn't mean it's easy. So I do think, yeah, I mean, whenever a guy steps away, I kind of understand. I say, yeah, I, I totally get that because, you know, it's a, you kind of cash out what you can with your health with you know wanting to do something else in your life. I never fault a guy for that. Mm. Yeah, I think J.J. Watt might be. He's probably one more injury from joining Andrew Luck as, as yeah. someone who might walk away from the game prematurely as, as Luck did, maybe. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, I, look, J.J. Watt could want to play until literally they tell him, you can't come in anymore. We're, we're taking your keys away. You know, I mean, we, we there are guys like that. Hey, that's fine, too. Like, guys love the game. They want to play it as long as they can and maximize every single day they have in the NFL, and, that, and that's fine, too. I, I totally understand that part of it. It's just, yeah, you, when you get to a point of, hey, I, you know, this isn't fun for me anymore. This isn't enjoyable. This is really... Uh, it's a job now, a tough job. And you're looking at your bank account and saying, I've been pretty smart with my money. I can live off of this eight figures in my account for the rest of my life. Why am I doing this anymore? I think at that point, you can start to say, you know, maybe it's just time to do something different with my life and find other avenues. You know, Frank, uh, go back to your preseason uh, forecast. Um, obviously, <laughs> you, you don't have the Colts, I'm assuming, where you had the Colts. But are they... I know Vegas has adjusted it and legal sports books around the, the country now. It's just, it's more the Vegas, as you know. They've all adjusted downward in their season win total. Jacoby Brissett, are the Colts 
Um, can they still win the South without Andrew Luck, I guess, is where I'm going. And where did you have them to begin? I'm assuming it was either them or the uh, the Texans that you had at the top of that division. Oh, yeah. I had them, uh, you know, I think in my countdown, I had them number five or six there you go. overall. Yeah. I mean, this was a team that I thought was a Super Bowl contender, without question. And, yeah, I, I mean... It's, it's it's tough to say they can win the South without Andrew Luck. There are reasons to think they can. This is, a, this is a talented team. And I don't think, look, if you're talking about the backups around the NFL and, and you're ranking them, Jacoby Brissett's pretty high on that mm-hmm. list. It doesn't mean you want him to start for 16 games. I mean, this is not the path that the Colts wanted to take, obviously. But they shouldn't feel helpless either. Like, they shouldn't feel like, you know, the Packers having to trot out, uh, you know, Brett Hundley when, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Like, it was... This is something that the, the Colts can still win games with Jacoby Brissett. I think the over-under went down to 6.5. I think that's low. I, I think the Colts can pass that. They have a good offensive line. Yep. They have good running backs, a lot of talented receiver. They, their defense has been building good coaching staff. There's a lot of reasons to still like the Colts, but it's tough to love the Colts now. I, you almost have to make – but, you know, you, you say you almost have to make Houston the, the favorite in the division now, but uh, Davian Clowney hasn't played yet. We don't know if he's going to get traded. You know, so they, they're dealing with their own things. The Jaguars, who knows how they're going to rebound. And, you know, the Titans have issues they're working on too. So it, it seems like a wide open – let's put it this way. Uh, before Saturday night, I thought the Colts were a clear favorite in that division. And right now it's wide open, but the Colts are part of that conversation. Could they win the division with Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, it's possible. I, I don't know if I'm going to be picking it necessarily, but yes, that's certainly I was still on the table for that. Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, he's dealt with this before, though not as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator. He was in Philadelphia when Nick Foles with three games remaining, and he looked awful right away before, of course, going on and winning a Super Bowl. How much does that help, and does that at least give a little bit of Colts fans here, as you mentioned, making a run here at a division title because Frank Reich has been in this spot before? Yeah, and that does help, I think. And I think Frank Reich's approach to things, it does help at this time. And he's not unique among NFL coaches, but he does have a very much an attitude of, hey, this is this has happened. What are we going to do? They're, they're still going to play the games. They're not going to cancel anything because Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> we just got to move forward. What, what are we going to do? Well, yeah, we just put your head down. What's your best option now? And it's Jacoby Brissett. So being in that spot with, uh, you know, when Wentz got hurt and I'm going on to win a Super Bowl, that uh, sure it has to help. I mean, it, it gives some confidence. And again, I think there's just confidence of Brissett having played a lot in 2017. We've seen a lot out of him. He, he's not... I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. Let's put it that way. I think there's, I think Washington would start him tomorrow, <laughs> you know, for example. So Miami might too. So, you know, I, I think that there's still that puncher's chance of, hey, we got a good team around this guy. We, we, we didn't expect this, but hey, what can we do? Let's put our head down and see what's next. Speaking of what can we do, what uh, this offseason, what do you think that the uh, the league is going to do to address the preseason, Frank? Is you know, more and more head coaches yeah. are just sitting their starters out. There's all, with the, the thought process is there's always been forced too many games. Well, after this year, if it doesn't sink in, and I get the almighty dollar and how the owners don't want to give anything up if they don't have to. Frank, this has been an abomination. This has been awful this preseason. Oh, it's been terrible. I, and I, you know, I've covered the game long enough to know, and you guys know, everybody who's watched it knows, there was a formula for the preseason for right. decades, literally decades. The first game, you got like one or two series. The second game was a quarter. The third game was about a half or more. Fourth game, he's had everybody. But now every game is a fourth game. Uh, you look at that Broncos-Rams game, which is a so-called dress rehearsal, and I think each team had about 25 to 30 guys in active. And it's just, it's the McVay model. And look, 
I, I totally agree with it. I, I, 100%. If I was an NFL head coach, and I think they just needed somebody. The NFL is very, very resistant to any change. They think that if it was good enough for George Hallis in 1946, it's good enough for us. And they needed somebody to kind of step out on that ledge and say, you know what, this is stupid. Why am I playing my guys in August? What is 14 snaps for Jared Goff going to do for week one. Is it really going to get him ready? No. I'm just going to keep my guys healthy. McVay did that, and I think other coaches around the league, even, look, we, and we could say, like, you know, it's, it's just the young coaches, this new innovation, this, but Vic Fangio did it. I mean, Vic Fangio sat everybody on Saturday against the Rams. So I think that they just needed somebody to kind of do it first. And now that McVay has kind of broken that seal and, and they went to a Super Bowl last year, I think all, a lot of coaches are going to say, you know what? That's the way to go. Why was I? Why did I have Cam Newton out there? So he could get his ankle busted. And now he goes into the season less than 100. percent Maybe misses week one. What was the point of that? And I think that you. I think we're going to be. We seriously. I just tweeted this out. We're three to five years away from the conversation of why do we even have a preseason if three quarters of the teams aren't even playing any starters in any of the four games? And I think that it's a, it's going to be finally forced the NFL to kind of do something about the preseason. Like you said, owners don't want to give up money. And that's the, that's why we have four preseason games. Uh, everybody knows that. But at some point it becomes such a farce. And it, it's going to remind me of the, you know, the Pro Bowl conversation. Mm. Where why are we having this game if nobody cares about it? Same kind of conversation is going to happen with the preseason of why are we having the preseason if literally teams are going to blow it off and not play one starter the whole time? And you know what? I think that's the right way to go if I'm a team. When you look forward, Frank, the easiest equation seems to be two preseason, 18 regular season. How far apart would that be, though, from the Players Association agreeing to something like that? I don't know. I, I, I think that's it's an interesting conversation because I think that I think we're just fine here with 16. I think 16 is is right in the wheelhouse. I, I don't know, but but then you get into the the aspect of you know the money and you're gonna have you can't just cut two preseason games and not add anything because that's a lot of revenue. I get it. It's a business. But 18 seems a lot to me. We're seeing, uh, and, and this whole dumb idea of like you can only play guys yeah, for 16. And they got to t- that's just dumb. That, that can't happen. You either you're in or you're out. Uh, so I don't. I hate that idea. I just I don't know what's gonna. I do think 18 is too much. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like this is we're already seeing. I mean, teams limp into the playoffs. I mean, they're, it's hard to keep guys healthy, obviously, in this sport. So I don't really like. I just. If there was a magical way to just cut two preseason games and do nothing else, I think that's the way to go. I think that, you know, maybe you even move up the start of the regular season by by a couple of weeks and give a team some extra bye. You know, get guys healthier that way. But I don't know. But you, you just know that NFL owners aren't going to want to give up those those extra home games. So I, I really don't know a solution. I, I truly don't. I think that uh, the, the solution of just cutting two preseason games makes the most sense logically, but doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. So we'll see what happens. But I, yeah, I'm totally against 18 games. I just I just think it's too many. Maybe maybe add on to the end of the year, a couple of more teams get in the wild card, push the Super Bowl back to President's Day weekend, perhaps so that Monday get that day off. Who knows? Frank, last thing for you. Uh, you're 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 a Badger, and yeah, we're we're on the precipice yeah. of another year. Frank Schwab, uh, Wisconsin is one of those teams that can clearly win the West. There's a handful of them, at least that's the the consensus out there. I think both Trent and I are starting to have uh, are starting to take a deeper look, and you know we not eliminated the Badgers, but we had a couple of teams that you know we think that it's not Wisconsin's year. Boy, the more we look at this team, the more I think we're talking each other into. Well, we shouldn't be sleeping on this Wisconsin team. How do you see your alma mater? 
You know, I think they're good. I, I think they're they're a little limited because of their quarterback situations up in the air. I know they just said they're going to start Jack Cohn, and that's okay. Well, mm-hmm. they got this kid, you know, Mertz. Is, Mertz, is, right. Is, it's the dynamo true freshman who you don't want to play a true freshman, but at some point I think they just make that switch. And how, however, however they look when they make that switch is going to, yeah, I think that they, they at that point their upside gets a lot higher. And, and however the true freshman quarterback responds to it, I think they're a little overrated right now. If I have to be honest, I'm hopeful they're not, but it's, it's your typical Badgers team. They're going to be good and solid, run the ball really, really well. And, you know, I think how they get, what they do at quarterback, what they get out of quarterback is going to dictate a lot of, uh, you know, whether they win the West or Nebraska does or Iowa or whoever. I think that they'll be in the mix like they always are, but I think they're a little, uh, yeah, probably a little overrated coming into the season as much as that pains me to say. <laughs> Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Frank, week one next week, we're going to have to impose on you again to uh, uh, to talk about the, uh, the season. Thank you for what you do for us, Frank Schwab. Appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Yep, no doubt. Take care. Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com is where you can read Frank. So he's a little down on his squad. He is. It's hard to get a read on the Badgers. It's hard to get a read on a lot of teams in the West. Most talented team is still Iowa. Are they? Yes. They have the most talent in the division. They have have three guys that can be first-rounders. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. The best player on on most days that Iowa takes the field is number 94. Epinesa, yeah, you start there. Mm-hmm. Two tackles, mm-hmm. worse for sure. I think another three or four guys that very well could have decisions themselves. I'm big on Hankins this year. Geno mm-hmm. Stone has a chance to be excellent. Mm-hmm. I think their, their secondary top is good. end talent is really good. I think their defense is is. I don't know enough about the linebackers. They'll be fine. I think so too because the the, the front the, the the defensive line is really good. Mm-hmm. I'm not as down on some of the tackles as some are, the question marks. And it sounds, I think Davion Nixon is really emerging. And Lattimore maybe is making that senior leap. Absolutely. And we see that a lot from guys, right? That somebody jumps up in their senior season because they mm-hmm. realize that Sand is about to leave the hourglass for good. Kirk talks about that seemingly every year this mm-hmm. time. They need those guys to have those senior moments. Defense doesn't worry me, Trent. It's the offense. It's the offense. It's the run game. Yes, it is. Stanley's not accurate. Or he's had an accuracy problem. I still think he's an NFL quarterback. Be based. I'm not saying he's an NFL starter, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to get, get a, a chance shot. to play. Absolutely, he's going to get a shot. Can they run the football? Let's go to the horse's mouth. Scott, Scott Dockerman. Why? Wow, good idea. He's next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. 1140 Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, coming up today is the first installment, Trent Condon, of Cyhawk Reaction. I love that show. I do Chuck too. Long and Sage Rosenfeld, yep. the Hawkeye and Cyclone Perspective. And a couple of quarterbacks probably talking a lot of Andrew Luck, I'm going to guess today. I'm guessing it'll come up at some point. Chuck Long, a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries himself Mm -hmm. throughout his NFL career. And uh, be very good to get his Career arc wasn't exactly where Andrew Lux was in the NFL. No, no, not at all. The Lions offensive line and the Colts offensive line. Putrid. Yeah, the the 80s Lions offensive line and this Colts offensive line. Very similar, Uh, I think, looking back. Valid point. Let's get Scott Dockerman here from The Athletic. Doc Trenton, Ken. Game week, Scott Dockerman. How are you? 
I am outstanding. I am glad we're finally going to have to, we're going to be able to write and discuss something <laughs> tangible after Saturday rather than kind of what do you think and who do you think, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. you got to fill column space. Trent and I have to kill segments. and uh, But here we are at the best time of year, no doubt about it, Scott Dockerman. Well, Doc, uh, your two deep takeaways. I guess we should start right there. And, you know, I, I was kind of surprised that I would put out their depth chart as early as they did. Very appreciative of them for uh, for doing that and getting it out in front of there instead of kind of giving it to us right when the press conference was about to start, as has been the case some, some years. But uh, your biggest takeaway from the depth chart, what surprised you uh, from a positive and maybe from a, a surprising standpoint? You know, I guess there wasn't a whole lot that surprised me, which kind of surprised me, I guess, in some ways. You know, I, I'm glad uh, in that there was some resolution at punter. I don't think Iowa fans would have taken that very well if there would have been an or. So uh, having, you know, Michael Sleep Dalton installed as the punter made a ton of sense. I mean, the punting game had struggled for the last few years and, and to a detriment of the team as a whole. So you're going to give the new guy a new shot. You gave him, a you know, a scholarship. He's all, he'll be 27 in a couple of weeks. So I think this is, uh, you know, something that, Iowa needed to have, and I think that was a good point. Uh, when you look at linebacker, I, I was a little bit surprised that, that nothing really changed there. You know, I would say that, you know, first of all, you know, you, you kind of go through the offseason, and, and, you know, in years past, somebody might move up, somebody might not move, somebody might move down. There wasn't anything there. Now, uh, you know, as far as the other surprise, I think was a free safety because last week, Phil Parker seemed adamant that Jack Kerner from, from West Des Moines was going to was really pushing Kayvon Merriweather at free safety and yet when they came out it was both uh, uh, you know Merriweather was number one and Kerner was number two and there was no or so it made it look like uh, that Merriweather is the guy now maybe that that's just his way of trying to put public pressure on Kayvon but uh, either way uh, it sounded like it was closer than what the depth chart showed us. Speaking of public pressure, the last couple of springs we've heard Amir Smith-Marset hear it from the coaches, and Doc, as you got your tape recorder out, you know when they're sending a message, and and you heard that from Smith-Marset. Then, after Kids Day, we hear Brian Ferentz talk about him maybe being the most dynamic guy that they have. Mm -hmm. Amir Smith-Marset, if this offense is going to take a step forward, how big of a step forward are you anticipating out of Amir Smith-Marset and being that playmaker? Going all the way back to his freshman year, what, he got that reverse, what, one of the first carries of the day came to him. We know he's talented. What do you expect his junior campaign is going to be like? Yeah, I hope in his case he doesn't fumble the first touch, you know, like <laughs> yes. back then. Uh, it's Wyoming. But, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I do wonder, though, I, I think he's uh, he's obviously a dynamic player, and, and he's got rare gifts of speed, and, and he, he fuses that program with an energy that, that's necessary on that side of the ball for sure. You know, consistency has been an issue for him more than talent. And But, you know, he's still a young player. And, and at most programs, he probably would have played very sparingly his true freshman year, maybe even have redshirted. You know, and now he's kind of thrust into that uh, veteran status. And, and I'll say this. I think Brandon Smith might be the most important player to the passing game. But I think Amir Smith-Marset might be the most important player, outside Nate Stanley, of course, to the entire offense. And, and the, because of his speed, and his ability to kind of blow the top off the defense, the defense, it can open up the running game more so than a Brandon Smith can in a passing game. So I think if he could be more consistent, 
get deep, make big plays that way, stretch the defense, force safeties to stay back in a in a deeper zone coverage, then I think Iowa has a chance to allow its running game to move forward and collectively be a pretty good offense. Do we read in anything, Doc, and as we go back to Kids Day and all the media was there came away with the same take regarding the backup quarterback position that they thought Petrus had a better day, at least the day that you guys got to watch over, a better day than Manziel did. Depth chart comes out. Uh, there is an or, yet the alphabetically they kind of went against that. They put Petrus on top of Manziel in the, uh, on the depth chart. Uh, but there is an or. I repeat, um, do we read anything into that? Yeah, we do. I do. <laughs> That's how I wrote it. Because uh, I think when you look at the oars, you know, te- they tend to put the guy on top that's probably a little bit more ahead of the guy on the bottom. And, and in this case, you know, you, they can't come back and say, well, so, you know, semantics, well, it's, uh, you know, uh, alphabetical or it's age-driven. No, I mean, you know, Spencer Petras to me, looks the part and uh you know he's you know they don't need him right now and you know in iowa's case they hope they don't need him for most of the season but i i would give him the edge i think he has a kind of a persona and a charisma on the field that you need plus he has an incredible arm now manzel's got gifts too he's he's uh you know very quick on his feet and can run a little bit and if there was a big pass rush and you've got a young offensive line he's maybe the guy you might want in there at times and it might not be that that you know, discernible between the two of them. But, you know, I, I kind of think right now they're going to keep it as an or and, and uh, you know, try to stretch out this competition because I think the worst-case scenario for Iowa would be if they name Pe- Petrus and then Manziel, say, enters the transfer portal either mm, yeah. this fall or, or next spring. So I think they want a big competition in the spring and then next summer. Biggest surprise, I think, for me was at the guard positions. Going back to when we saw this first depth chart come out this summer, uh, when we were in Chicago for Big Ten Media Days, seeing the other Paulson, as he's probably known, Landon, who doesn't have much of a resume, he was listed as a starter. And now with this newest depth chart, his brother Levi, who does have a resume, listed as an or, either or, with Cole Banwart. Banwart sounds like he is banged up right now. The Paulson brothers, in their senior year, though, both starters, snap one, are you expecting to see that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Banwart is is uh you know developed nicely he has had a lot of injuries through the course of his career so uh you know and levi paulson was kind of their number one uh jack of all trades guy last year and this year coming up where he could play four different positions most likely three um in, in the event of, a, of an injury so he was kind of that uh that, that safety net now uh, that said, they were going to give him a chance to compete at right guard and it looks like it might be a rotation there with him and banward and Banward can't go, then it'll be him largely, and and so it's it's um, guard is kind of that position where they 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 throw guys, and then they also um, move in younger guys to rotate, get experience, and and so I would not be a bit surprised to see Mark Kallenberger move into that left guard position a couple series a game, maybe every third series, uh, along with Landon Paulson, because uh, you know it doesn't take a scientist to know that. Next year, I think both Worfs and Jackson will be gone, and you're going to need Mark Kallenberger to play, so you need him to get some quality reps. So I expect four players to kind of rotate in at that position, and at some point somebody's going to get injured and somebody's going to be out. So 
you're going to need those players in the long run. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Uh, Doc, uh, apparently leading up to at least this week, Oliver Martin had been, uh, you know, like any of the other receivers, right, getting his opportunities out there. There's still no clarity. Now that it's game week, will, will he be handled differently because just of the uncertainty? I mean, there is no certainty. It's not uncertainty. There's, there's nothing. Um, how will they handle him? How will they approach this week? Will it be different because they just don't know and they got a game this Saturday? I think this week would be different, and unless they know and aren't telling anybody, I I think this you've got to treat it differently. I mean, before when it was just straight practice, you're not taking really any reps away from guys because, you know, there's so many reps for wide receivers. But now that you're getting into game prep and you're going after a specific opponent, and and really they know the cornerbacks awful well and Manny Rugamba and Cedric Boswell. So I think, uh, you know, they're going to have to taper that down a little bit or, or, you know, try to hasten uh, the NCAA's decision if they haven't gotten anything yet. So I, I think he would be uh, take a lesser role this week. But, you know, and it wouldn't be much if, say, Tuesday they decided, you know, that they heard word or Wednesday or whatever and got clarity to throw him back out there. But I think you have to, to really kind of, you know, shorten the bench per se uh, this week just to make sure that you, you know, everybody knows kind of what they're doing. And, and in his case, he's probably running with the twos, not necessarily with the scout team. Uh, until unless they get denied, so I, I don't think I just don't think you put them out there with the number ones right now. Two names that I know nothing about. I need your help here, Doc. At the fullback position, Turner Palisard, a kid from Illinois, and then over at one of the spots in the defensive backfield behind Geno Stone, West Dvorak. I remember seeing that guy's name on the roster. Didn't he start as a wide receiver? Now in his senior year, couple of walk-ons mm-hmm. making their way to the two deep. Yeah, you're really stretching it here. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long summer. Two guys, <laughs> you got two walk-ons who uh, are, are making enough of a name for themselves mm. that they put themselves in a position to to, to play. And West Dvorak is a guy that uh, Iowa has talked about, Ferentz has talked about, because a year ago he, he tore up his knee. He had an okay. ACL and he was out for a year. And Kirk talked about him then, you know, every time. You know, we brought up a couple other players. He always made sure, you know, who were injured. He always brought up West Dvorak, and and he's come along. He's a senior. He's a, you know, a guy that they really, uh, you know, respect in that position. So, you know, to, to have him, you know, elevate into that position is is pretty strong for Iowa. And you know, my curiosity is, okay, what happens if Geno Stone leaves the game? You know, in an important situation, does he continue to play there, or will? A cornerback, for instance, you know, uh, Michael Ojemudia play that. You know, Iowa doesn't let that known very easily. They just throw names on a chart. But, you know, and then uh, the other guy, Palisard, well, you know, Joe Ludwig was the guy earlier. He's still on the team. But Palisard got a lot of snaps in camp. He looked pretty decent from what I could tell. So, you know, it, there's there's some movement there. And and uh, he's a younger guy. And, and so I think they, they'll want him to rotate with uh, Brady Ross at that position and then probably take it over next year. Your forecast, Doc, at The Athletic, and uh, Rob Howe put it out at Hawkeye Nation as he got a number of the Hawkeye media together and put all of their picks out there uh, at HawkeyeNation.com. But at The Athletic, you have them 10-2, and two, uh, one loss in the Big Ten, uh, and turning the tables on Michigan State in a rematch of that Big Ten championship game from a couple of years ago. Uh, you feel pretty good about these picks, Doc? I do. I'm I'm bullish on Iowa, probably more so. I think a lot of people just hedge on them because they just, you know, it's safe to put Iowa mm-hmm. at eight and four mm-hmm. and say, well, they're going to lose a couple games. They got a tough schedule, but you know, the the West Division's a line of scrimmage division, and the best te- the team who has the best defense 
who's bet, usually best up front, doesn't commit a lot of turnovers and mistakes, uh, you know, and plays good special teams, generally wins that division. That's been Wisconsin over the years, and last year Northwestern fit that. Now, I, I like Iowa. I think Iowa has the best line of scrimmage on both sides of the football in the Big Ten. They've got a three-year starting quarterback, so that mitigates some of the issues you find on the road. I think, uh, you know, they've got a challenging schedule, no doubt. But, I, you know, Iowa's no pushover either. And I don't think teams are going to go, yeah, well, we only got Iowa this week. And I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to cause some issues for themselves. So I, I like Iowa. I think this is their year. And if not, if not this year, it's not going to be 2020. They lose so many players. Right. Um, and, and then you do see the rise of Nebraska. They're going to be better than what they are. And, you know, I don't think this year is their year. So I, I like Iowa. I think Iowa gets a chance to, to go to Indy. I think they get a chance that they'll, you know, beat, you know, my prediction is beat with Michigan State and go to the Rose Bowl. And, uh, that would be a, a heck of a turnaround for, for Kirk Ferentz and his staff. I would sign for that today. Back to Pasadena. <laughs> yeah. Okay, in. Scott Dockerman, Doc, we will talk to you next Tuesday with the long weekend. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Yeah, good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, 10-2 and two and bullish on the Iowa program. 8-1 uh, and one in the Big Ten. I'm assuming that was Michigan. Yep. And so that means one in, uh, two and one in non-com. I'm assuming that'll be Iowa State. It's a pretty good assumption. Gotta think that's the case, right? I think most Hawkeye fans would sign for 10 oh and 2 God. in a trip to ND, though, even with the loss to Iowa State. Yeah, sure. Of course they would. You run through the West and you beat Nebraska and Minnesota mm-hmm. and Wisconsin and Illinois and the Northwestern and Purdue and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Sign for that. That, that would be, you know, Doc's got them running the West. Yes. Oof. We shall see. Okay, uh, tonight it's baseball. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like we're at that point again, don't we? That we're having to squeeze baseball. It's been so good to us over the summer months. It has. Cubs are off. It's Cardinals and the Brewers. They will move the needle tonight, at least for me. That's about- Early start, too. Is it? Oh, I didn't thank you for that. I didn't realize that. Yes. Why, ES- ESPN got it? ESPN's game. Gotcha. Be listening. B.A., I think he's going to be Brian Anderson. He's been in and out a lot here. As Perhaps. He's a busy dude. Perhaps. Cyhawk reaction begins tonight. Yes. Uh, Sage Rosenfeld, Chuck Long. The Fanatics have them at 5 o'clock. That means that it is the college seasons are upon us when that show comes back, and it begins tonight for the first time. Looking forward to that. And a uh, little news out of us. Well, we do. Where you and I are going to be doing uh, television? Yes. How about that? Very it, excited about it. We'll as, be across. Just so the everyone street. knows that they, it adds eighty pounds to me. Right. Right. Uh, Mediacom uh, has asked Trent and I to do a half hour a week. A gaming show, a, a look, uh, a sports betting show, if you will, and. Um, Okay, we'll do it. We're going to have fun with that. We'll have fun with this. It and is it's going to air, what, like three times? Thursday, yep. Friday, and Saturday. And we're going to do it each and every week. At least in the beginning, we'll be through football. And then, you know, fingers crossed, it carries on through basketball. And fingers crossed, I'm going to be able to persuade them to allow us to post it at KXNO.com. Oh, that's a great idea. Right? Wheels are turning here, Trent Condon. <laughs> uh, good to see you back. Congratulations to you and Tara. Thank you. Uh, belatedly, well, not belatedly, uh, but on your, on your son, Jack. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, Morning Rush tomorrow. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.